This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. So how's it going? Oh my god. That good, huh? (laughs) So good. So I had nothing planned this weekend. And I was like, finally, no plans. That didn't work out. You should know better than to say those words to yourself, even internally. So I am going to go to the grocery store yesterday. So I cleaned my whole house, like top to bottom. It was great. You want to come clean mine next? No. There's a Um, crisp $5 bill with your name on it. (laughs) No, thank you. Um, So I get, I'm like going to take the trash out and go to the store, right? So... I take it and I put it in the passenger seat of my car and I drive to the dumpster and I'm going to, I take it out, throw it in the dumpster, close my passenger side door. And I hear this like, Shh, and it was my window. Oh, just shit. slid down into the door and we couldn't get it out. <laughs> yeah. When you said your car was in the shop earlier, I didn't actually know what it was for. You might've texted that, but. I did. Well, here's the th- here's the thing. So I take it and I'm like, you know, windows rolling up and down should not be a complicated thing in a car. Yes? Yes? Oh, it's a motor issue. Yeah. So they call me today. First of all, I took it to three different shops and fucking patriarchy. I've never been spoken down to so much in my life. Gotta like, love this guy, it. This guy was like... I was telling him the problem and he was like, well, yeah, we can look at that. But, you know, what you're talking about, it's going to cost like it's it's going to be like parts and labor to fix. And that costs money, sweetheart. And I was like, no fucking shit. Why do you think I'm here? I what? (laughs) what the fuck? So I finally take it to a shop where the person does not speak down to me, thank God. But then they call me today and it needs a new regulator. Uh-huh. Be- I-, I know what that is because I am an expert in cars. Right, personally. Right. I know so, that when you rolled up to all these shops, you're like, listen, my name's Aaron and I'm actually an expert in the yeah. cars. And so. <laughs> the cars? <laughs> I'll know if you're lying to me. Yeah. So. That guy, they call me today and they're like, well, you need a new regulator. It's going to be to put the whole thing in with parts and labor and everything. $450. Great. It's a good thing that you just always keep $450 in your pocket at all times. I do. Mm -hmm. Well, so what I did was I said, no, just get it up so that it'll stay up and I'll deal with it later. So... I have two pieces of cardboard. Like I went to go wedged. pick it up. There's like two pieces of cardboard wedged in the thing to keep the window up. Oh my God. It's all very profesh. Did you take <laughs> it to my dad to be fixed? Like oh. <laughs> it looks so ghetto, but I don't care. I'm not paying $500 to fix the fucking window. I mean, that's what it's going to cost us. The worst part. It's an expensive part. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to call around and see. I, I say, say we, you, like we, as in my dad. <laughs> so you can probably get something after market that will be just fine. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, the, the sad thing is, is like, I want to buy a new car before the end of the year. And I mean, you know, I've dumped about 1500 bucks in this car in the last six months. What year is this car? An 08. 
it's too young to be behaving like this. For real. Listen, if push comes to shove, I have a 98 Corolla that <laughs> will outlive all of us. It will be the car I drive in the zombie apocalypse. So Yeah, Toyotas are going to be the cars that they find millions of years from now when after a society or after a civilization has been completely wiped out we evolve into humans again they're gonna dig it up and be like what the hell is this thing like the toyota it's corolla be will toyota have corolla. become sentient <laughs> it's the dominating race on earth yes um no so this car i bought for my aunt and uncle my freshman year of college and i started college in 2006 so it was already eight years old at the, that point had over a hundred thousand mm-hmm. miles on it i put Oof. a lot of work into it to make it like run really nicely um mm-hmm. It now has 260,000 miles on it. And after I was done with it, I gave it to my uncle. And when he was done with it, he gave it to like his nephew on the other side of the family. And Mm -hmm. then when he was done with it, it passed to a cousin and it may or may not have exchanged hands one more time. And that thing is still just a clicking away. Hey, that's, Oh, man. The door handles it's- break off all the time. That's a problem with that specific model. So I replaced mm-hmm. the door handles, I felt like, every six months. But other than Please that. Please ex- excuse me while I pick up my microphone because I just spilled everywhere. And I'm using my shorts to clean it up because we are classy I'm at- AF I'm- here at Lifetime Sentence. I've got Sentence. it all together. I am classy AF. By the way, this is Lifetime Sentence. I'm Paul. I'm Erin. And you are... And you're just going to hear me complain for an hour about cars and how much they cost. That's exactly what I was about to say. You are now our hostages listening Mm -hmm. to um, Car Talk with the car experts, Erin and Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. A master mechanics. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Well, I have not had nearly as exciting a day as you. Um, yeah. Or even a week. Like, you know, sometimes you and I are like neck and neck for shittiest week. But this mm-hmm. this week you get the award. Like, congratulations. Yay! What do I um, win? Um, a really shitty day. Oh, that's crap. It's not a good award. No, uh, <laughs> that was a crappy award. I don't want it. Give it back. <laughs> Can I get a recount? Just mm-hmm. um, No, but, you know, last week my dryer did burn up. And so yeah. I currently have a clothesline strung through my carport. Because I don't have anywhere else to dry clothes. And I mentioned it at lunch after church today. And somebody was like, you're not hanging your underwear out there, are you? Like, what? Are my neighbors going to be shocked that I wear underwear? (laughs) It's 2019. One of my neighbors walked up to my house and, like, started knocking on the door. And my windows were wide open as I ran out of the shower naked because my clothes were drying. So they've already seen well more than my underwear hanging on a clothesline. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god and the best part is, is i have absolutely no shame so i was like i'll be right there and she did not wait you're like hey girl <laughs> i'm making some tea <laughs> brb oh my god um yeah so the front of my house is covered in clothing right now Excellent. I'm just, I, I have a picture in my head of just like the front of your house covered in glue. <laughs> well, as you pointed out earlier, I do have all this laundry behind me that I need to put yeah. away. So mm-hmm. maybe I'll just go put those on the front lawn to, to yeah. display of everything we own. Well, 
jazz it up a little. Look how rich we are, guys. We can afford underpants. <laughs> <laughs> you have to say underpants Under, when you're rich, though. Underpants. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Wow. Just realized I forgot to turn off notifications, so I don't want my computer dinging on us. Please. It likes to do that. It does. So, um, I'm going to be real honest with you. What's I that? could not find shit about this case. And it even says inspired by a true story. And I watched the last four minutes of this movie to see if it would have like an ending Chiron that would tell me who these people were. Nothing. Nothing. It's in, that's in my notes too. Good. That there's no ending Chiron. I'm like, wh- how am I supposed to know who the fuck these people are? Right. So, how am I supposed to stalk these people on the Google? So I have uh, come up with a very ingenious way of making it up to everybody, but I want you to go ahead and tell me about this movie because it has very mediocre reviews. This movie was very mediocre, so <laughs> I get it. One of the reviews I read was like, there's no reason for a man to watch this. It's not a good movie and there's no sex appeal. She won't even show her legs, goddammit. And I was like, oh, that's why we're watching Lifetime movies now? Look, but let me say this. This movie was released in 2006. So if you ever need to revisit the fashion of the early 2000s. Oh, that was my senior year in high school. That was high so, fashion. There's so much. She wears a lot of halter tops with low-cut flared jeans. God, what a statement. Yeah. It's like every episode of Charmed I remember. That is what um, Paige wore, I feel like, in every episode. Have you seen um, Eliza Schlesinger's Elder Millennial special? Okay, right before it came out, she did like a, a video for YouTube. I don't know, for something. It was maybe it was for Netflix, like to preview it. And she's talking about like 2000s fashion and she's like, yeah, your jeans hit like right above your clitoris. (laughs) This is that. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, this movie Intimate Stranger came out in 2006 starring Carrie Matchett. Matchett? Sure. She plays Karen and that's two weeks now we've had a a lead named Karen. Well. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, she has one of those familiar faces, and it's because she's in a lot of Hallmark movies. Okay. So oh, most so she got real racy then. Mm-hmm, most recently, she was in Return to Christmas Creek. Okay. And she was also in Covert Affairs, which ran on USA. I watched that. Mm-hmm. Slow down, everybody. I watched a show. I'm so proud of you. Side note, is that the one with Matt Bomer? I what? don't know. Okay. I don't know. I'm going to check and see while you're talking. And then Peter Outerbridge, he plays Dennis. And he is was in Saw 6, which is what I hear is just the creme de la creme of the Saw franchise. You know, they always say two's company, three's a crowd, and six is the lucky Saw. Six is the Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, it. He was also in the Umbrella Academy. Okay. I know a lot of people watched on Netflix. Um, Matthew no, Knight. Matthew Bomer was white collar. I did watch Covert Affairs. Yeah. That's Piper Parabo, right? Yes. They yes, used to yes. come mm-hmm. on like they're both USA and I watched them both. So I got them confused for a minute. Matthew Knight. He plays Justin. Um, 
he was in the Grudge movies. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. And he's also in the Good Witch movies, which I don't know if you've watched the Good Witch on Hallmark. They're it's precious. A really cute show. I, it's very cute. Um, and then finally, we have Jonas Chernick, and he plays who I call Dopey. Okay. Um, his name is Alex O, and his IMDb page is a pornucopia. Yes! But he was also in Fargo and Degrassi, so I guess he gets a pass. I love Degrassi. Wait, old Degrassi, young Degrassi? I don't. I, I don't know what what you're saying. So there was. I don't understand the words. There was <laughs> in the '80s. There was Degrassi Junior High and Degrassi Senior High, which were both seasons of the show. And then they mm-hmm. redid it whenever I was in middle school and high school. Degrassi: The Next Generation. It's the new one. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he also brings us our Pornhubber TV. Well, you just said he's a pornucopia, so let's let's go. He is. Um, I. I struggled to pick one of these movies that he's been in, but I picked one. Okay. It's called My Awkward Sexual Adventure. Um, well, clearly, this was an ABC family movie that came on um, the same summer as The Initiation of Sarah. So that would have been like circa 2008, 2009. I can remember the apartment I was in whenever I watched it. Um, it is actually about a marine biologist who studies the sex life of orca and he befriends one orca named awkward joe and awkward joe just has trouble getting it on because he's got a bent fin and so um our friend the marine biologist grafts him a new fin and teaches him the mating dance of the orca. And um, Awkward Joe finally gets it on and has his own little baby orca. Wow. That was... Correct? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Quote, to win back his ex-girlfriend, a conservative accountant enlists the help of an exotic dancer to guide him on a quest for sexual experience. Leading him into a world of strip clubs, sensual massage parlors, cross-dressing, and S&M. Nothing makes me think get my ex back faster than all of that. Yeah. <laughs> and I, my sister actually likes this movie, so for what it's worth. Okay. I don't know. I know your sister likes Buffy and that. That's all I know. So I don't know um, how into account I'm going to take her taste just because I haven't rounded out her taste profile yet. Yeah. She also really likes Charmed. Okay. So two for two I can deal with. Maybe I'll watch this Orca movie and let y'all know. (laughs) I'm just really concerned about an Orca sex life movie being on ABC Family. (laughs) It's an inspirational film. Lord. Anyways, you, this you... film <laughs> opens on a dark and stormy night. There's As a broken all good skate- films should. Yeah. There's a broken skateboard in a driveway and a lone minivan driving down the highway. The driver keeps checking her rearview mirror. She suddenly and quite purposefully takes a hard right, smashing into a construction zone. Okay. We flash back to 20 entire minutes earlier. Oh, man. What a flashback. 
Yeah. I hope they do something artsy with this. Like it doubles every time. Like we see 20 minutes ago and then we see 40 minutes ago and then 80 minutes ago and we just keep doubling. Yeah. You're really, you're really putting a lot of stock into Lifetime and you just don't. I tried. (laughs) Amor Tolls did that in A Gentleman in Moscow um, and it's a mm -hmm. wonderful book. Yes. You're all welcome. The 20 minutes ago, the driver was playing cards with her son, who's scared of the thunder. She sends him off to bed, and as they are going upstairs, the lights go out. She tucks him in, and they joke around about thunder, and then she goes downstairs, gets a flashlight, hears a noise, and guesses. Is the kid in the car with her? Have we seen a kid? No. Did she leave the kid in the bed and then just drive away? Would you let me tell the story and you'll find out? Listen, you love it when I predict the ending. Wow. No. <laughs> Flashback again to two months prior to that. And I love that Lifetime has no concept of linear time. <laughs> the lady's name is Karen, and she's a badass investment broker who an entire office is toasting with champagne. And I don't know why, but I never down I never turned down champagne. So who cares? Right. <laughs> she's out dancing later with her friends, and she's introduced to Dennis. And these investment brokers know how to party, okay? I've never seen so many guys in in ties jamming out and dancing to rock music. Yes. What was it a legitimate also... song or was it generic rock music oh, trademark? No, it was it was not a legitimate song. Okay. Uh, this, there's a sign in the bar that also says no public nudity, so this is for sure a place that buttoned up professionals frequent. Um is it the bar that they celebrated at are they in Milwaukee is my first question. Is anyone's no. Roscoe about to come out? No Roscoe. Okay. Um, Karen goes to the bar to get a drink and Dennis orders her favorite drink for her, even though she just met him. Uh, please tell me something really generic. He's no, I can't remember what it was, but it was not generic. Um, okay. He noticed it. He says he noticed it last time they saw each other before they officially met. Oh, I don't like where this Car- is going. Karen is impressed. I- I'm I'm not impressed at all. I find it a little bit creepy. Another song comes on and Karen's like, oh, my God, I love this song. And so she takes Dennis out to dance. The next day, probably. Maybe the day <laughs> after. I don't know. 20 Karen minutes ago. And- Karen and her sister are at the park with their kids. They're talking, and who just happens to drive to jog by? Ed McMahon with that big ass check. <laughs> no, it's Dennis. He's all sweaty and gross, and he asks Karen out to dinner, and she says yes for some reason. Is he hot, um, sweaty, or just sweaty? Just sweaty. He's okay. not hot at all. Um, okay. He says he'll call her, and she says he doesn't have her number. And she, he's like, oh, I'll just get it from our friend. Which which friend, Dennis? Which friend? <laughs> Dennis, which friend? <laughs> the one that introduced them. Oh, okay. Um, they go to dinner and he tells her stories about hiking in Thailand. And Karen says, wow, I was just talking to my sister last week about Thailand. It's my dream vacation. He asks why she doesn't just go to Thailand then. And she says her son is too young. Um, she can't leave him. And so he's like, well, what about his dad? Like, And she says they weren't married for very long because he was too controlling. 
and he doesn't come around a lot. Dennis says he's been married before, but it, quote, ended badly. That's all he says. I can't imagine how it could have ended badly already. Probably 13 red flags are waving themselves like a parade in my head. Mm-hmm. The waitress brings the wine list and he says he's a Merlot guy. And what a coincidence. So is Karen. She loves Merlot. You go, Karen. The next day at work, Karen comes in to find a big bouquet of flowers on her desk. Her dopey boss, dopey, (laughs) says, oh, her dopey boss that's clearly madly in love with her comes in and scoffs at the flowers. What? He can't afford roses? (laughs) That's that's cutting him down at the knees, man. You got him. (laughs) Nailed it. Karen says, Karen says, I don't like roses. Freesias are my favorite. And that just makes me think of Miranda Priestly. Uh-huh. She's like, do I smell freesias? <laughs> it reminded me of um, Madonna one time was at a like a, a big event. Um, and somebody brought her a bouquet of peonies. And she still had her wireless mic on and didn't realize it. And the whole venue heard her go, I abhor peonies under her breath in a very Madonna fashion. Yeah. Fuck Madonna. Peonies are the best. So I love peonies, um, but you so can't her... say it without sounding like you're from Texas. True. Her dopey boss walks out, but then comes storming back in and he's like, I know freezes are your favorite, you know? <laughs> and Karen turns around and says, dopey, not only are you my boss, I'm five whole years older than you. So clearly we're from different generations. Oh, yeah. It can't be worked out. Five years is a really long time. Impossible to surmount. I know. God, that's Um, rough. (laughs) um, Karen's ex picks up their kid. He calls the kid sport, which I hate, and um, questions her about who she's dating. Um, then Karen goes to Dennis's house. He says, so she's, he's got all these like butterflies, like in cases. Okay. And she asks about them and he says, oh, but actually you show like one like case and it's got like three butterflies in it. He says, okay. yeah, I do that as a hobby. I kill them with quote chloroform in a jar. Red flag number 14. I was wondering why like, you'd walk in. Bitch, run away fast. What the fuck? So I think bug collections are cool like that. I love bugs in a very kind of bizarre way. I love bugs. But I do not want to be the person who kills them and sticks them to a board. Also, I question keeping chloroform in a jar for your butterflies. For real. He then feeds her something that tastes good. He can cook. Karen's impressed. Good for him. Was it um, butterfly and cyanide surprise? Yum. <laughs> no. Um, we see a montage of their date. The song in the background says, <laughs> the song in the background says, quote, a life sentence of your charm. <laughs> like, oh, oh my God. What is this? Um, this guy wears Birkenstocks in his house unironically, so he's clearly a psychopath. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he failed that test real fast. Yeah. 
Um, a song comes on that Karen loves, so they dance in the living room. Then they have sex on the couch. After, wait, so, I mean, no judgments here. I'm just pl- figuring out this timeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They met at the bar once. He uh-huh. magically knew her favorite drink from this supposed time they've met before. Right. He ran past her sweaty and not hot sweaty. Uh-huh. He cooked her butterfly cyanide surprise no no no! they went on a date to the restaurant first oh so there was a date in the middle okay that's the part <laughs> yeah. that i missed okay yeah, yeah i'm back on time on merlot the, the merlot date that's right i forgot about the merlot date yeah i was like that's just moving real fast to go to a house date i've been really confused for a long time i forgot there was mm-hmm. a date in the middle okay um so yeah then they have sex on the couch because who needs a bed when you're so in love i guess is he wearing the birkenstocks while they're getting it on the couch <laughs> with socks up to his mid-calf no, no. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I will do a lot of crazy shit in bed, but socks are where I draw the line. If you come to bed wearing socks, you're not getting any. I'm sorry. No sex for you. Oh my god. Um. Then uh, Karen goes jogging the next day, or the next week, or the month next month. I don't know. Um. She comes home and finds a bouquet of roses on her porch. They're white roses, except for one in the middle, which is black. I'm really not a fan of that. The note says, dearest Karen, we're meant for each other. Please call me. Much love, Randy. Is Randy dopey? Randy is her ex-boyfriend. Oh, have we heard about Randy before this or this is the first time? Um, He's been vaguely mentioned, but this is kind of the first time. Okay, thank you. She's, like, mentioned him in passing, like, her ex, like, her last ex, he was too, you know, she didn't like him. He was a little bit too intense. Okay. I can't so Karen, imagine what part of his personality says intense. Yeah. Karen looks around suspiciously and then goes inside to make sure her gun is still in his its case. Like you do. <laughs> like, roses from a crazy person, check the gun. Right. That's the natural flow at this point. Absolutely. Um, then she has a security system in- installed while she talks to Dennis about how crazy Randy was and how he just must be obsessed with her. Why are you like obsessed with me? Why are you so obsessed with me? Um, she thanks Dennis for being there for her. And then she invites him to her parents' house for the weekend. They're making out in the foyer of the house when Justin comes home Ooh. with a friend. That's her son. I knew that oops hard that's not the way you should probably meet your mom's yeah. boyfriend so oh and this does not get any better because they're making out him and his friend walk in they both stop in their tracks because they're in the fourth grade and they're like uh and karen's like oh like she unhooks her mouth from dennis's and then turns around and is like uh justin this is dennis <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable right now and I didn't even watch the movie and then Dennis calls him sport don't do that Justin is extremely underwhelmed by Dennis I can't imagine he takes the hint and he's like I'm gonna go Um, on his way out Karen asks him to mail Justin's birthday party invitations Karen and Justin are talking later, and he reluctantly gives his approval of Dennis. 
did she ask or he just said that? Well, no, she, they're talking about him and about how they've gone on some dates and she likes him and she wants him to be around some and the kid's like, eh, whatever. Okay. All right. I was like, is she forcing him to say I like him? Cause let's not do that. No, 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 Mm-mm, no, no, no. Um, she talks to her sister later about how she enjoys being single. She's an independent woman who don't need no man, etc. While she's doing this, the camera slowly pans up to the ceiling while her sister goes on about how well matched they seem. And up in the attic, there's a man listening to her phone call and taking notes. Holy fuck! <laughs> My so eyes bad. got this big when you said it pays to the ceiling. I knew it was coming. Later, Dennis takes Justin fishing and teaches him how to fish, and they bond. Yay. <laughs> Karen is at work and Dopey tries to give her baseball tickets, but she turns them down even though she loves baseball because she has a date with Dennis. He takes her on a picnic to, quote, the middle of nowhere? No. Which I guess is a destination that doesn't creep Karen out, even though it does creep me out? Yeah, maybe. And this is 2006, so it's not like you can drop a pin for your friends and be like, hey, heads up. Yeah, I'm right here. Um... Dennis asks her to go to the Cayman Islands with him. Now that that's really fast. I could get behind. Mm-hmm. I said that's really fast for me, but I know. But if somebody like knocked on my door and was like, "Hey, I have tickets to the Cayman Islands. You want to go?" I'd be like, mm, "Yeah, so I do." I'm just such a homebody that if somebody said that to me, I'd immediately feel tired and be like, "I think I'm busy that day." And they yeah. they could be like, "I haven't told you the date yet," and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm booked. It's just solid." I don't want to pack. That's really the issue is I'm too lazy to pack my bags. Yeah. Okay. Peace out. See you in the Caymans. You're going to get murdered. Probably. (laughs) But at least you'll die happy in the Caymans. Exactly. I'll be in the Caymans. (laughs) I won't care. (laughs) Anyway, she turns down the trip because of Justin and her job, adult responsibilities. What a drag, you know. Um, Dennis says he thinks he's falling in love with her. Karen and Justin are talking about Justin's birthday party, and he says he wants a mountain bike. And she says it's too expensive. He can't have it. Um, Justin asks if Dennis can come to his party. Um, And then he says, you know, Mom, sooner or later you're going to have to let him stay over. And she's like, why do you know about stuff like this? And he's like, come on, Mom. I'm in the fourth grade. Like, I support that fourth graders are still very, um, what's the word, innocent, Mm -hmm. but they are not naive most of the time. Yeah. Um, Justin, the phone rings, and when she answers the phone, it's a hang-up call. She puts it down, and the phone rings again. It's a hang-up call. I don't like it. Um. Oh, when I wrote, she's also dressed in peak early 2000s fashion. Thank God. She's wearing a black spaghetti strap mini dress over flared jeans. Yes, she is. Uh-huh. How yeah. many butterfly clips? No butterfly clips. Okay, so she's dressed down. Okay. Yes, she's a, yeah. <laughs> um, my God. Or like a, or like a, what was that, the, the, um, 
Hairgami? Does she have a Hairgami in? Oh my god, no. <laughs> um, so it's a hang-up call. So then later they're having dinner with Dennis and Justin starts asking too many questions about their relationship. So Karen's like, mm, why don't you go upstairs, buddy? Um, just as she and Dennis are starting to make out, though, he comes in and he's like, Mom, I heard those noises again. Oh, shit. That's a twist that I didn't expect just now. Um, Dennis offers to go up to the attic and look around for him. Um, he goes up and sees a squirrel. He's trying to catch it, but it falls down like the opening to the attic. So she shoes it out the garage. Okay. That was the noise he heard. Okay. Well, that's not what I was expecting. Oh, wait for it. Um, he doesn't see the creepy little hideout place that somebody has up there. Um, Karen wakes up in the middle of the night because the AC isn't working, which is 100% me. Like, if my AC flipped off in the middle of the night, I'd be like, what the hell? I'd sit, like, straight up, like, what? Right. What? <laughs> um, she goes and flips the breaker and turns it back on. Um, the next morning, she wakes up and she can't find Dennis or Justin. She goes downstairs. She's, like, looking all around. She goes downstairs and she finds a note. That says, I took Justin butterfly hunting. I don't like this. Um, neither does Karen. Good. <laughs> when they come back, she asks him to maybe talk to her before taking Justin places. Um, she's super annoyed. Um, at Justin's birthday party later that day, her sister tells her she has a problem with intimacy. And that's why she feels so uncomfortable with Dennis doing so many nice things for her. Okay, that's one option. Karen says that there's just something about him that gives her pause. Okay, so relationship advice with Dr. Paul, because we all know I'm the guru. Mm -hmm. If the person you're with gives you, quote, pause, maybe just don't be with them anymore. Exactly. Her sister says, quote, yeah, your problem is he fixes everything but the kitchen sink. Speaking of, mine's still not fixed. Good lord. We're falling apart. Please subscribe. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Lifetime Sentence so we can get our things fixed. Yes, please. I don't have water <laughs> in my kitchen and I haven't for two weeks. Oh my god. Um, Dopey is also at the party and says Dennis is fine enough, but he has a stupid haircut. God, if I had a dollar for every time the woman I'm in love with was dating a man with a stupid haircut... Karen just accuses him of being jealous, and so he eats her watermelon slice. Oh, man. But they're, like, very flirty. It's it's kind of cute. Like, okay. you know, they're doing that thing where they, like, they have a little repartee, you okay. know? Okay. So I was picturing that because, like, he's already called out the dude's inability to buy roses. <laughs> I was picturing that this was just, like, a, you know, grown toddler trying mm -hmm. to navigate the workplace no they're kind of joking around and he like she's holding the slice like this and he like takes a bite out of it and then walks away she's like that's mine <laughs> okay that's really funny actually yeah. um justin's aunt gives him a cold play cd and wow this really is 2006 if it's 2006 <laughs> do you know what album that is x and y that's my favorite oh my gosh <laughs> um Karen goes to get Justin her gift and she says, you know, it's not what you asked for, blah, blah, blah. But then it says, oh, she's just teasing you. BRB. No. And he, like, goes out the he goes out the gate 
and brings back the mountain bike that he wanted. No, Dennis, that's not how it works. I just wrote this would 100% piss me off. It would effectively end It their would make me so mad. Um like nobody is, undermines me that way. Justin is super excited of course and tells Karen she's the coolest mom ever. Dennis and Karen fight behind the fence. <laughs> Dennis says he's really sorry. He like super overstepped. Um, it's so funny because they walk behind the fence and they're arguing. And so the camera just films him like through the lattice of the fence. <laughs> having this weird argument. I was like, what the fuck is going on? What that is, is they didn't actually have permission to be in that person's yard. So they thought that maybe the camera crew would make it real awkward. The people would call the cops. <laughs> Later, Justin is upset because his dad didn't come to his birthday party. Um, Karen calls and rips his voicemail a new asshole. But um, as soon as she hangs up, she gets another hang-up call. And then right after, Justin's dad calls back. He says he never got the invitation and his answering machine has been deleting messages. But she could have called his office and told him about the party, which I think, "Mm, no. But he's kind of mad that he missed the party. Well, at least he's kind of mad. Yeah. But I'm a little Um, suspicious. Karen tells her sister about it and they start talking conspiracy stalker theories. Ready? Okay. She doesn't think she doesn't think it's the father of her son. She thinks she doesn't think it was him. And she doesn't think he was lying about not receiving the invitation. Right. Yeah, I don't either. Mm. She's still getting hang up calls. She says she gets three calls a day. And Randy, her old boyfriend, used to send her three emails a day. And there were three dozen roses on her front doorstep. And so clearly it must be like all signs point to Randy, right? I think that's a red herring, but let's go. (laughs) Her sister asked if she's called the police and she said they told her that they can't do anything because she can't prove it. Um, Later, she's at home and hears a noise in the attic. She decides to climb up there and investigate. No, it's dangerous to go alone. Call the cops. And she finds Dennis up there. Oh, see, that's who I expected from the get-go. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't be alarmed. He's just putting the boxes that she had mentioned she wanted to be put in the attic in the attic for her. He rang the doorbell and she must have been in the shower. This is all perfectly normal. Um, oh, okay. Hey, you remember those 14 <laughs> red flags? They've all had babies at this point. <laughs> Um, but she's like very pissed that he's in her house. Which That's like would... a human response. Thank uh-huh, you. Lifetime. Absolutely. Yeah. He does not notice that she's pissed at all. They go also, to dinner. Though, that's kind of a man's response. Like, let's uh, be totally, for real. Yeah. <laughs> they go to dinner and Karen doesn't eat a lot. She finally says they need to slow things down. He gets upset and she says he's been ta- he's taking it the wrong way. She doesn't want to break up. She just wants to pump the brakes, right? But he's upset, so they leave the restaurant. Um, she goes home and Justin asks how her date went. And she says it was fine, but maybe she and Dennis are um, just going to be friends. Okay. Just- Justin's kind of bummed out. And they hear the noise in the attic again. Don't. I move. Like, go stay so with your Karen- sister. Karen goes to investigate and look here's the thing I would never go up there by myself 
I would not either. And I'm a six foot one million pound man. Like I no. I would not. For one, I'm not climbing up that fucking ladder because I'll fall. But for two, no. She looks around but doesn't see anything. So she goes back downstairs. Good thing she didn't see the big old man hiding up there. How did you miss it? Like, did she look at three of the four corners? He's behind, he's behind the boxes that Dennis so helpfully put up there. Wait, so Dennis didn't put them flush against the wall? No. What a dumb fuck. Or is he? Oh, I know. Um, I'm sure I have figured this out because it's lifetime. <laughs> and it got completely mediocre ratings. So that means it's predictable in every aspect. But. Yes. Um, and But, like. Ew, 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 ew. Can you even imagine? Like, ew, it's so bad. Um, later, while they're sleeping, sinister music plays, and someone stands over Karen's bed watching her sleep. And oh, I was like, no, hell I'm out. The fuck no. <laughs> no, I was like, I'm out. I can't do this. I can't do this. Um, the next day, Justin can't wake Karen up straight away. Like, she won't wake up. Was it he's the finally, butterfly and cyanide surprise? Yes. He's finally able to rouse her, but things are all blurry and she stumbles around and throws up. Um, later at work, Dopey tells her she looks terrible and should probably go home. She says no at first and starts complaining about how she broke up with Dennis and everyone is mad and she just can't have a normal relationship. But she does end up letting Dopey give her a ride home. So he, like, tucks her in on the couch and puts a rag on her head and leaves her to recover. Oh. I kind of like Dopey. Yeah, I do, too. He grows on you. Um, like a fungus. Exactly. Justin's walking home later from school, and he sees Dennis outside. He's brought some groceries over because he called her work, and her boss said that she was homesick. So he brought her groceries because he's such a did good he, friend. Did he, though? Did the boss say she's homesick? Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> don't know what that noise was, but I stick by it. She disconnects. Okay. No, no, no. Okay. He offers to make her dinner, but she says no, so he leaves. Or um, does her, he? Yeah. Her boss comes to pick up the contracts she was working on later. But surprise, they're gone. No, like the ones that they were toasting and cheersing to her earlier, like because she's real good at her job. Mm -hmm. Mm -mm, No. Mm -mm. Karen starts getting hang up calls in the middle of the night. So she disconnects the phone. Good plan. But then the phone downstairs starts ringing. I guess she's got two lines. Okay. Man, remember we used to have two lines in your house? Yes. Um, so that one starts ringing. So she goes downstairs and disconnects that line. But then the fax starts ringing. How bougie is she that she has a fax too? I know. Next you're going to tell me she has one of those AOL beepers that went two way. (laughs) Um, Justin comes down and says he can't sleep because it's too hot and the AC is out, is not working again. And, um, Karen is just, she's kind of at a breaking point. She snaps him and she's like, I'm not in the mood. Just go back upstairs and go to, go to bed. Um, she goes back to the office and she tells Dopey that she still can't find the contracts. Um, and he says, well, this is the least of our worries because Wagner's pulling out of the deal anyway. And I guess Wagner is the, the big 
contract. Right, that's person. what I assume. But sure. seeing my little conspiracy theory brain is like, well, why? Hmm, Dennis? Hmm? I'm going to make <laughs> because... this a thing. If I just keep doing it, then it sounds intentional. <laughs> because someone sent Wagner a letter accusing Karen of making dirty business deals and having bad like business behavior. Um, That's my favorite. So my favorite thing about any movie that has this kind of corporate espionage is mm-hmm. how easily the company who has been dealing with this person for, you know, you assume some time yeah. just believes this random, <laughs> like, like, did you ever see uh 13 going on 30? Oh yeah. So there's like corporate espionage in this and they're just all like hunky dory, just quick to believe whatever they're told by one random. I mean, stage. I have seen every Hallmark movie, so I, I understand what you're talking about. That's true. You have. <laughs> That's the, literally the premise of everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um Dopey asks what the hell is going on and he asks if it could be her ex husband. And she says no. She thinks it's Randy, so she's finally gonna confront him, right? She calls his office. And lo and behold, He's Randy's dead. been in the Middle East for months doing some kind of work. It doesn't matter. He's not. He's not in the U.S. He ain't here. Okay. It all starts to click and she digs out the card that came with the roses, then runs and dumps the trash out in her driveway. And I was like, her neighbors must love her. <laughs> <laughs> to compare the handwriting with the butterfly hunting note that Dennis left. And wouldn't you know, it's a match. She needs to go into forensic handwriting analysis. Mm-hmm. She meets Dennis for coffee and confronts him about the letter. He says he had nothing to do with this and she's being crazy. Are you on your period right now? Because you're just, you're acting a little mean. You're a little bitchy right now. Are you? <laughs> he just gaslights the fuck out of her. Right. He's so annoying. Yeah, I have no doubts. She says if he ever comes near her again... She will ruin his life. Um, I wish that I wish that the threat would have more weight to it, because ruin yeah. your life could mean like I'm going to assume your identity and ruin your credit. It yeah. means like I could tell everyone I know and that you know that like you've been having a lurid affair with Melania Trump. Like it could mean Ooh. so many things. See that face? I just ruined his life very easily. Um, <laughs> Like, I want there to be some weight and some meat to this because I want to know yeah. how you plan to do it, girl. Um, so, yeah, later she's sleeping and someone creeps into her room and puts a rag over her face. Because she had something just right here on her cheek. He was just trying to clean it off. Shocker of all shockers, it's Dennis. No! I did not see that coming yesterday before <laughs> I knew about this movie. And we get our edit of the week because some creepy shit is about to happen. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, the screen flashes green, like night vision green. Okay. And then it comes back up and Karen's like sitting in the middle of her bed crying. And then it flashes green again. And Dennis is cuddling her unconscious body and stroking her hair. No, I don't like and that. It fla- oh, oh, just wait. It flashes green again. And it's back to her sitting on the bed crying. It flashes again, and ew, he's kissing her stomach. I hate it. Oh, I don't like that at all. Um, It flashes again, and she's walking through the house, like, super, like, zombie-like. And then, like, there's no easy way to 
uh, segue into what happens next, he rapes her. No, no, eject. Let's cancel this movie. Um, yeah, it's really, it's, it's not good. Um, she wakes up the next day feeling groggy. So she, uh, from what I assume is chloroform, you know, that'll do that to you. She splashes water on her face, but she is looking rough. Um, she goes to the doctor and the doctor's like, well, I mean, you have a bladder infection. Oh, that'll, okay. That'll make you imagine a man's in your attic. So, yeah. Um, she's like, maybe you're just a little stressed. I can't imagine why she would be, quote, a little stressed. So she does what everyone else in the world does when they aren't satisfied with what the doctor tells them. And she goes to, quote, medical search engine. Yes! (laughs) It's going to tell you you have cancer and you're already dead. Yeah, okay. This is the weirdest shit ever, okay? She types in her symptoms. And I'm just going to read aloud what the results are because it's... Super weird. It just says the following, quote, symptoms. Symptoms are a warning. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Uh, Just as with alcoholic drinks, a small amount may not affect you, but a larger dose will hurt you. Usually these effects go away within a few hours after you stop absorbing the solvent. You may feel sick at work and better at home. People who are, quote, high or sleepy from solvents may injure themselves or others by misuse of vehicles, equipment, and chemicals. Massive overexposures to solvents can cause death. But okay. it doesn't give her, like, an answer. That's not a symptom, friends. <laughs> so then below that, it says lungs, nose, and throat. Oh, her symptoms are that she has lungs, a nose, mm-hmm. and a throat. Damn, no, 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 I've no. got chloroform. So it Poisoning. Says, <laughs> it says lungs, nose, and throat. And then below that, it says one. Sore throat and coughing. Two, giddiness. Three, nausea and vomiting. Four, headache. I'm sorry. Only two of those things have anything to do with your lungs, nose, and throat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. She scrolls all the way down to the bottom, and it just, like, randomly at the bottom says chloroform. (laughs) I'm just imagining at this point, it says 2006, and it said, like, font that changes colors and it's like a like a comic sans yeah exactly <laughs> oh my god she flashes back to when dennis told her he killed the butterflies with chloroform in a drawer and i told you to run karen but nobody listens to me <clears throat> i even waved one of my 14 red flags then but she finally does call the police um a detective is interviewing her and dopey comes in um And she tells him, like, all about Dennis. The detective goes to interview Dennis, and he tells the detective that he's been out of town. He has the receipts from his trip. Karen has a history of paranoia when it comes to her boyfriend. And it's probably, she's probably doing this to him because she's broke and needs money. Fuck that noise. He says he told her a story about when he was a kid using chloroform to collect butterflies, but he hasn't done it in years and they can go search his house right now. Then he says, I know it's illegal, but I recorded the conversation we had at the coffee shop. Hell no. So all he does is play the last bit where she says, if you come near me, I'll, I'll ruin your life. Well, I'm glad she didn't put any meat in that sentence now. Yeah. Um, the detective says they were able to confirm that he was out of town at the time. 
and that he then he tells Karen that chloroform is just one of the possible causes of her symptoms. They're going to do testing, but it it gets out of your system so quickly it's hard to prove. So she asks him then to search her house because she thinks that uh-huh. he's been in her house. So she's yes. like, search my house. Good. Um, Good. But, huh, when he goes up in the attic, the little spy kit is gone. What a coincidence. Uh. She calls a security company and has her house locked the fuck down. Um, like, literally, the guy says, wow, Fort Knox should be so lucky. <laughs> wow. Um, she changes her number, and even her son is like, even like, so she changes her number and she like gives the number to her son. She's like, this is our new number. Don't give it to anybody. And he's even like, are you like making this up? Oh, oh, poor thing. And she's like, she's like, no, I'm not like, I need you on my side. So he's like, okay. Then they come home from their walk and the phone is ringing. She picks it up and it's Dennis. How does Dennis have he the says, number? He says, I won't be made a fool of Karen. She says she has a gun and he better stay away from her and stay away from Justin. Then we cut to Dennis sitting in a chair in his house. The camera slows, zooms out to a room filled with butterflies on mats in frames. And I hate it. That is the creepiest fucking thing I might have heard in my entire life. Oh, we're not even to the creepiest thing yet. Saw six. I hope you're taking notes. At the police station, the detective asks if she owns a gun. And she lies at first, and then she says that she does, but it's her ex-husband's. And she doesn't use it. That's what she says. I don't use it. Like, like I, I want to know the definition of using a gun. Like, do you just go with your rights, like, popping it in the air? I don't know what she means by that. Like The, detec- <coughs> the detective tells her to stop threatening Dennis because... He called, of course, and told them that she threatened to shoot him. <laughs> okay. But he's also got her test results right there, and there's no chloroform in her system. And the handwriting um, thing was inconclusive. She says to the detective, I know in cases like these, they usually don't get solved until someone gets hurt. But Dennis is a dangerous man, and he just... and." The, I just hope that you figure it out before it's too late. And then she storms out. And then we cut immediately to Dennis casually digging a hole in the woods. Isn't like that, you do. Isn't that what you do after you sit in your room full of butterflies, Aaron? Totally. Y'all, I wish you could see Aaron's room full of butterflies right now. I'm looking at it. It is the scariest <laughs> fucking thing. I've told her to get rid of it. <laughs> We're at the night of the storm, finally. And... um. Karen, they're walking down the street with Dopey and they're talking all about it. And she says she doesn't know what he'll do, what she'll do if he shows up again. So it's about to storm. And he's like, hey, like, I believe you. I believe this is happening. And then they kiss. Good. Because I'm liking Dopey. Justin yells, gross. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Dennis is sneaking into her house under the gate. And that's what I think is gross. (laughs) Dopey says he's going to go home and get some stuff from his house, but he's going to be right back and he's going to stay with her. No, please don't go. We can, you can wear Justin's clothes. I'll rip them apart and sew them into bigger clothes. (laughs) Dennis sneaks into the garage and hides in the attic. He pulls the door up right as Karen opens the garage. So Justin can put his bike in and she can pull the, the van into the garage. 
but he left his skateboard in the driveway and spoiler alert, that's just going to break. Um, we recap the beginning where um, he says he hates thunder. Um, Dennis cut, like he flips off the main breaker for the power in the attic. Okay. That's why the lights went out. Gotcha. She goes into the garage to fix the lights, but of course that doesn't work because the main breaker has been flipped. Right. Um, uh, she somehow in the dark discovers where Dennis has been sneaking into the house. I tend to make very large revelations in the absolute pitch black. This next part totally freaked me out. I don't like it already. Justin is upstairs. He wakes up because something in his closet is moving. No, it's not. Uh-uh. It's fucking Dennis, like, taking the boards out of his closet so he can get into the house. Oh, He full-on has no. a Jack Nicholson, like, no, moment, uh-uh. like, in no. The Shining. No. I was like, oh, no. nope. <laughs> Lifetime, you're canceled for this movie. Um, Karen, so he screams, obviously, right? So Karen runs upstairs, but she can't find Justin. Dennis comes up behind her with her gun. No. And says if she if she makes a noise, he'll kill her. Then he forces her into the van. And I thought he had taken Justin and done something to him, but he's the camera slow zooms out when they're in the bedroom and Justin's hiding under the bed. Thank God. Good boy. Oh, thank God. Um, so um Dennis takes Karen to the van and they pull out of the driveway. Justin calls 911 as soon as they're gone. Good um, boy. Oh, he's the hero. Karen. Yeah. Karen is driving while um, Dennis talks about how he was nothing but kind to her. And this is how she repays him for his goodness. Dopey comes back to her house with the top down on his Mustang in a storm. Like you do. Sure. Also, um, I just said good boy three times. Like Justin is a dog. <laughs> I apologize to all parents. This is why I don't have children. and can't be trusted with them for more, more than an hour at a time. Yeah. So Dopey comes in the house. He calls upstairs for Karen and Justin recognizes his voice. So he like flies down the stairs and into his arms. He's like, help me. Thank God. (laughs) Um, Karen is still driving and she tells Dennis not to hurt Justin because she still doesn't know where he is. And Dennis just says, Justin will be fine because, quote, he looks up to me like a father, like a father. Oh, hell no. And he's full crazy eyes now. Hell no. Karen stealthily buckles her seatbelt because, you know, click it or take it. She's taking that hard right. Oh, it's all coming together now. Dennis is too busy being a nutbag to notice. She goes around a bend and she guns it into that construction zone. Um, Dennis didn't have his seatbelt on, so he goes flying like out the door. Okay, so um, one of the complaints I saw about this while I was researching is that when <laughs> she, whatever she hits, like it's a front impact and A, her airbags don't go off and B, <laughs> the laws of physics would not have thrown you out of the side door. Yeah, he goes flying <laughs> out the side door. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she looks around and she doesn't see Dennis in the car anymore. And so she just gets up, like gets out. And, like, starts looking around for him. And I'm like, bitch, I'm run! Sorry. I'm sorry, what? Um, Dennis is laying on the ground over, um, like, a little way away. But he starts to try to get up. But part of his head is missing, so I think she's going to be okay. Like, saying, oh, oh, <laughs> he, like, got scalped. Oh. Like, mm, yeah. Now, to be fair, she- if I were her, I'm such an asshole that I would plant my foot in the missing part of his scalp just to do as much damage to him as he did to me. But I'm an asshole. She picks up the gun and points it at him. And we hear sirens in the distance. Um, a police car pulls up 
and two cops get out and tell her to put the gun down. Her son called 911 and told the operator everything that happened, but she needs to put the gun down. Um, she does, and they arrest Dennis. Um, later, Karen is at the police station, and the detective comes to tell her that basically everything Dennis told her was a lie. He had been staked out in her attic learning about her before they even met. Shocker. He tells her Dennis was keeping a diary and that the first chloroform he gave her was just to make her sick so that she would, quote, need him. But then after she became a, quote, threat to him, he was going to kill her. Then he asks, so the detective is like, do you want a copy of this diary? And she's like, no, dude, burn that shit. (laughs) No joke. Um. Cut to her and Dopey and Justin all laying in a hammock at her parents' house being happy. I saw no, this. No ending text this week. The end. All right. So now that you've told me about this movie, one of the things I want to talk about today actually probably was the inspiration. Excellent. Um, but it's changed a lot. But there's enough things in there that I can see where they drew inspiration from. Or I might be just completely off track and that's okay. Yeah. That was a ride, Aaron. It was. I'm sorry. I have more notes than usual because th- there was a lot happening. Right. Um, so I mentioned at the top of this episode that I had a way to make it up to everyone because I couldn't find this exact case. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to do what they call on Wine and Crime a shallow dive into several other cases of yeah. stalkers. Um, because I they're don't like it. I don't like it. They're interesting as fuck. They are. Okay, but I'm going to have to rearrange my order now that I think this one aligns closely to one of the ones I picked. So, um, the first one I want to talk about is the most recent. It happened in South Louisiana in Lafouche Parish. Um, Not far from Thibodeau. He was actually arrested in Baton Rouge. So, if anyone's familiar with the geography, that's where it is. Um, I am! So, this man... In 2017, was mm-hmm. um, arrested. May 24th of two, 2017 is when he was arrested. Um, okay. For um, hiding in his ex-girlfriend's attic for several mm-hmm. days. Uh-huh. Before busting into the house to attack his ex-girlfriend. Um, so he broke in and made contact with her and um they started screaming and he didn't like the way she was talking to him because how dare she and so he started to beat her um he struck her several times with her children nearby like witnessing the event oh god um he pulled out a knife and threatened her with it and then to prove he was serious slashed the fuck out of her mattress yeah um Dude, mattresses are fucking expensive. I know, that I just bought a new one. <laughs> oh, I yeah. would be so mad. Mm. Um, and then just started, like, throwing shit around the room and, like, knocking things off shelves. I mean, like you do, I guess. So then he stole her purse, her phone, and it just says an SUV, so I don't know if it was hers or someone else's in the neighborhood, sure. and left the scene in the stolen car. Um. So the cops went up and they found that he'd been in the attic for several days. They couldn't tell how long, but it was more than a week is what it looked like, at least. Which, hard pass. Thanks. Yeah, no thank you. Um, which I have since, since I've become aware of how accessible my attic is, 
I check it regularly. Really? Yeah. So I, because my entry to my attic is in my carport. Uh-huh. And like, so completely side note, the other day, this has happened several times in our house and I call it my poltergeist, but I've gotten really concerned lately. Um, I haven't oh, heard really? any noises to worry me, but... Um, so like the other day, Sarah and I were in the kitchen and I was looking for a jar of peanut butter and I was like, Sarah, I thought I had one more jar. And she was like, I thought you did too. And I was like, I guess I ate it all. And we looked around the entire kitchen, like tore it apart because I really wanted it right then. And then the next day, the jar of peanut butter was where the peanut butter always is. And we had checked that shelf first. Well, that's either a ghost or... You have someone living in your house. I call it my poltergeist. And at this point, I would rather be a poltergeist. And I rarely say that. Um, And so the other events that lead me to think it's actually a poltergeist is um, one time last school year, I was super late for work because I couldn't find my keys. I always Mm -hmm. put my keys in the same place. And I was like tearing the house apart for them. I started at this table where I always put my keys. I yeah. fact, pulled everything off of there because I'd moved some stuff around. So I was like, maybe I, caught, you know, put them in with something was out as I was moving it around yesterday. Right. Um, nothing. Tore the house apart. Went back to the table where my keys always are. And they were in the middle of the cleared off table. And then another event was Sarah couldn't find her computer one day. And she was like, I left it on these shelves. We tore the house apart. We started up the shelves, of course, tore the house mm-hmm. apart. About two hours later, it was there on the shelf. So, um, yeah, not fun. Anyway, back to this uh, stalker slash home invader. Um, he, he was eventually pulled over in uh, Baton Rouge driving the stolen vehicle. By the way, the event happened on May 3rd and he was pulled over on May 24th. So he was just Holy like joyriding shit. this stolen car for 21 days. Wow. Yep. Um, so he was actually charged with... Two counts of stalking, uh, mm-hmm. domestic abuse and battery mm-hmm. with a child, um, in, uh, with child endangerment, sorry, domestic abuse, aggravated assault, theft of a motor vehicle, felony theft, home invasion, unauthorized entry of an inhabited dwelling, and simple criminal damage to property. Really? So they were like, you know what? Like, we haven't sprinkled somebody with everything in a long time, so, and... I'm gonna throw the book at you, buddy. He was white. Like, he got Ooh. all those charges and he's white. I was like, yeah, go ahead. Fucking white hiding in his ex-girlfriend's attic like a fucking crazy person. Jesus. I'm just glad that a white man got all those charges. Like, let's be mm-hmm. honest. We've seen our criminal system. Yeah. All right. Um, some other stalker stories. Um, two of the ones that pop up if you want to look for stalker stories are always um, the Rebecca Schaefer, who was mm-hmm. the actress who was killed... And then the um, Teresa Saldana, who was the inspiration for Rebecca Schaefer's stalker. Yeah. We've talked about both of those cases before. Yes, we have. Um, <laughs> and so we're going to skip over those. But those are big ones if you ever are interested in a interesting but awful story. Um, so the Wester, or the Westfield Watcher is an unsolved case of stalking, which is even worse. The Watcher. Yes. Is that a movie? 
And that's why we drinked it. Yeah. And it's a movie. Okay. So is it a Lifetime movie? Because then I'll hold yeah. off. Okay. I'll hold off so we can cover this one later. Okay. Um, yeah. It's on our list. Good. Um, but it's fucking creepy. Oh, my God. Yes. <sighs> so um, Laura Black and Richard Farley is a real fucked up one. So oh, good. Richard Farley worked as an electrical engineer for um, a company called ESL Electromagnetic System Labs mm -hmm. um, in California. And he became obsessed with um, a 22 year old woman named Laura Black. Like the minute she was hired in 1984, he was in love with her. Mm. Um, according to him, it was love at first sight. And he would mm. ask her, she rejected him over and over. And he'd keep asking her out, bought her gifts, wrote her letters, gave her flowers. And then he told her that line that melts every woman's heart. I'm going to continue to ask you out until you accept or until the day you die. I don't like that. No, because guess what? He thought he was going to be the deciding factor on the day she died. So oh my God. the letters and gifts and advances continued. Um, he started following her around in his car and would just show up randomly at her home. Um, mm -mm. She moved several times so that he couldn't find her and he wound up continuing to stalk her. Um, he also was friends with the custodial staff and he convinced them to make copies of the keys to her desk and like her to her office. Um, and he went to human resources and convinced them to let her let him go through her personnel file and said like there was an investigation going on that he couldn't tell them about. Um, over the course of four years, she received over 200 letters from him. Um, she went to human resources and filed a complaint and that didn't help. So, um, he was ordered to not only stay away from her, but to go to counseling. So like, that seems like the way to handle this. Like, dude, you just need to stay away and go to counseling. Like mm -hmm. bad. You did a naughty. <laughs> um, so in, um, he was fired, finally, in 1986, but he continued to stalk her after that and would just show up randomly at ESL just to stalk her. Um, so in 1988, she filed a restraining order, um, and the day that the hearing was scheduled for this restraining order, he showed up at ESL with a shotgun, having bought several guns and a few thousand rounds of ammunition. Oh no. Uh-huh. He shot mm -hmm. he shot his first victim in the parking lot and then commenced to shoot and injure several people and killed six more. He killed seven people on his way to her. Um she shut like slammed the door on him. He fired through and shot her in the shoulder. It collapsed one of her lungs. Um he was in a five hour standoff against the police. So she's just bleeding on the floor with a collapsed lung while he's in a standoff with the police. Oh my God. Um, she um, was able to actually um, like pack her own wound. So it would stop bleeding and she survived and was rescued. Yay. So there's that. Um, he was found guilty of seven counts of first degree murder and was sentenced to death. And Bye. so he wrote one more love letter to her 
just to make sure, I guess. And then was um, he's like still on death row at San Quentin. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, I've got plenty of time. I'm like trying to rush through these because I have like 12 that I researched <laughs> and I don't want to like go over, but then I went yeah. so fast through these. that. Um, <laughs> okay, so in 1991, there was a case that actually made lots of people redefine the way that they think of stalking conceptually. Mm-hmm. Because typically, and it's true, like even today, when we think of a stalker, we think of like a stronger man stalking a, you know, a defenseless woman or whatever, you know, however mm-hmm. the, but this is actually a case of a woman stalking another woman. Um, and it caused a lot of talk in judicial systems, obviously, about the way sure. we address this. Um, but um, in 1991, um, Laurie Show. Let's see. No, no, no. Yeah, Laurie Show was uh, murdered by her 16-year-old classmate, uh, Lisa Michelle Lambert. Um, Show and Lambert had been friends for a brief period of time, but Lambert got super jealous of uh, Laurie Show because she decided that Laurie Show was actually out for her on-again, off-again boyfriend, Lawrence Yunkin, which, that's a name, like, yep. there are several ways I could pronounce this, and none of them sound, like, proper. So I wish, if your last name is Y-U-N-K-I-N, please send me a pronunciation guide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so Laurie Show did briefly date Yunkin over the summer that he and Lambert were broken up. and okay. um, But she ended it because he um, sexually assaulted her. And she even confided in her mom. Oh, about well, this. now like, I don't feel bad for making fun of his name. No. Duncan Pumpkin. No, uh-uh. Call him whatever the fuck you want because he helped in the murder. Ew, no. Yeah. Oh, he's a piece of shit and we'll talk about him in a minute. So um, she even like after the ordeal, she confided in her mom about the attack. And um, so it's not like, it's not like that this happened and then, um, and then there was like a continued advance after the the relationship right, ended. Right, like right. she mm-hmm. was straight up done. Go figure. Yeah. Um, Yunkin and Lisa Lambert, however, got back together shortly after, and um, she was actually good for you. She actually got pregnant with his kid um, as a result of this on again portion of their relationship. Um, she, you know, she absolutely wanted no. Uh, show wanted absolutely nothing to do with Lawrence and. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lambert continued to be really paranoid of her. So she started stalking and harassing her. She would show up at uh, Laurie Show's work and yell at her and, and um, call her at all hours of the night and taunt her with crazy phone calls. Um, she would threaten her openly in public and um, would often give like leave death threats and threats of physical violence. Like where there were witnesses. Just like Gross. in public. Um, Laurie's mother, Hazel, attempted to file charges against Lambert, but nothing like that did not deter her at all. She was like, fuck the police and still kept going. Like she must have been white. Uh, yes. Um, she looks like this. She got crazy eyes. She looks like Anne Hathaway went crazy. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. Um, so on December 21st, 1991. 
Hazel received a phone call from the school counselor requesting that she come up to the school to discuss <clears throat> um, a matter that had happened at school with Laurie, her daughter. So, okay. Um, the phone call actually never happened from the counselor. Oh. Lisa Lambert called, pretended to be the counselor, said there's an emergency so that Hazel would leave the house and leave Laurie's show alone. So, you that's like extra fucked up. Uh huh. So, Hazel returns home to find her daughter bleeding out and she died in her mom's arms. Oh, yeah. Um, her final words were, Michelle did it. So, I mean, there's that, but can you imagine that's the last memory you have of your daughter? That's awful. No. Um, she'd been stabbed several times and her throat had been slashed. So while the mom was up to the school, Michelle and her friend Tabitha Buck had come into their home and, um, and, uh, Yunkin came with them. Yunkin drove them. So Mm -hmm. like he was there. Um, he actually, when they were arrested the day after the murder, um, he agreed to testify against them. And he said that actually Tabitha, the friend, had slashed Laurie Show's throat after her and Michelle had stabbed her repeatedly. Um, and her one of her lungs collapsed in this fight. Um, oh, so good, good news for old dumb fuck here because he testified against them. He got a reduced sentence. Man, fuck you. Um, both the women received a life sentence without the possibility of parole. Bye, bitch. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I cannot, like, I am so pissed that he did not get an equal sentence. I know that he sold them down the river, but I can guarantee you there was enough forensic evidence against them to not need his testimony, but whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What a mess. Oh my God. Um, so... The last one I want to talk about before I get to the one that I think inspired this movie mm-hmm. um, is the case of Theodore Edward Conies. Do you know anything about him? No. He is known as the Denver Spider-Man. And um, is so... I don't know what makes to make, so... <laughs> all of them. All okay. of them. Okay. Uh, I didn't know if that nickname would mean something to you because this case sounded really familiar mm-hmm. when I read it and I don't know if it was on a podcast that I listened to. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was. I'm they kind of all start running much. together for me. They do. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 1941, he was a, let's see, how does it define him? He was an American drifter. So um, he... Sure. Um, Sorry, got really distracted by me being an idiot. <laughs> um, so in September of 1941, 59-year-old Theodore Conies intended to ask a former friend of his for a handout at his home in Denver, Colorado. Um, but instead, he did he did the thing you do, like, you know, like, you have to go ask a friend for help. And then you're like, you know what I think I would rather do? Live in his attic and not tell him. Like, you know, that's what you and I would come up with, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so, 
I live in Texas. It's hot in everybody's attic. I don't want to live in anybody's right? attic. So he broke into their home because they weren't home and he was just going to steal the money and food. Um, but instead, he like creeped around their house and found um, a ceiling of a closet that had the trap door to the mm-hmm. attic cubby hole. And so he decided he was just going to, like, occupy this small space without them knowing. Now, um, I'm almost positive I've heard this on one of my podcasts because I thought about the cubbyhole that he lived in was so narrow that the cops, when they first saw it, didn't think it was possible for a human to fit in there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So um, he lived in their house for a total of five weeks. (gasps) Ew. Um, on October 17th, 1941, um, the, the, uh, Philip Peters, his former friend discovered him standing in the refrigerator, trying to steal food to take back up into the attic. Standing in the refrigerator? Like door open, light glowing. Oh, okay. I was, like, I was thinking like in the refrigerator. <laughs> Next to the ham, like. Sup. I mean, he's obviously a small dude because he fits in that face. <laughs> All curled up like a contortionist at the uh, circus. Oh, my God. Do you remember when we were younger, there was that woman who could put herself in luggage that was like, yeah, yeah that's him climbing out from the eggs. Like, <laughs> um, anyway, so, um, you know, Conus, though, god sorry this story is wacko so peters the the man who owned the house started to beat him with his cane but conus did what everyone does when they go to the refrigerator and pulled the gun out of his pocket because don't you keep a gun with you when you go to the fridge i mean when when you are in the fridge (laughs) my god um so he Tried to shoot him, but the gun literally broke apart. Because it was cold. Because it was old. Because <laughs> it had been in the fridge with him for so long, right? Exactly. <laughs> it just shattered. So he pistol whipped him to death. Ooh. Um, and then to make sure that he uh did it, he took uh like a, it's called a stove shaker. You know, like in um coal stoves, they have like the the cast iron like big flat thing that you rock all the so uh-huh. he took that and beat the shit out of him too just to like make oh. sure he'd done it yeah sure okay. um so he bludgeoned the 73 year old man to death keep in mind this man is 73 like he's already lived a long life you dumbass yeah. um and then he returned to his cubby hole so um his wife was in the hospital at the time which is why she didn't hear any of this and a neighbor had been taking care of this man was like feeding Mm -hmm. him dinner and stuff while his wife was in the hospital Mm -hmm. and when he didn't come for dinner that night the neighbor called the cops the cops came and they're baffled by this scene because there's no sign of forced entry this man was bludgeoned to death and there's no one in the house they in fact during this part of the investigation is when they see the cubby hole and they're like Mm -hmm. no human being could fit in there so they didn't even even they didn't even open it really yeah jesus this is the 40s like cops were different then they didn't have tattoos and they had to be home at a reasonable hour (laughs) (laughs) so um his wife had 
finally came back from the hospital. Um, she'd had a broken hip, so it'd been a long recovery process. Oof, yeah. And so <laughs> she returned to live in the house and had a housekeeper. And the women would both hear like strange noises in the attic. So the housekeeper resigned because she was convinced that the house was haunted. And um, so Mrs. Peters moved to Western Colorado to live with her son. Okay. Um, Connie's remained in the house and um, people would like see his outline and windows and stuff. And so it just became the story that the house was haunted and it was like the local haunted house. Um, but po- okay. police were convinced that they would catch the intruder. So they kept making routine checks. So mm-hmm. in on July 30th of 1942, so almost a whole year later, um, one of the police who was doing a routine check heard a lock click on the second floor. Like he was outside and just heard a lock click. And Ooh. yeah. So he ran upstairs immediately and caught sight of Coney's legs going through the trap door. And so he pulled his legs and yanked the fucker out of the ceiling. Oh my God. <laughs> so um, the police took him into custody and he confessed. He um, was then dubbed the Denver Spider-Man of Moncrief Place. Um, and the um, the <laughs> police detective had said in an interview, a man would have to be a spider to stand it up there that long. So that's why he got this name. Like the press didn't even right. come up with a good name. I thought they did until I heard this quote. No. <laughs> that's crazy. Well, you know, Generation Y did a podcast last year. I think it was last year. Yeah. There was a girl and she moved into an apartment Uh and she would hear like weird noises and stuff, but then she would, but she would be like in and out. And then one day she was homesick from work Uh and she had gone into the bathroom, like to run a bath and she walked out of the room and walked back in and the attic door was open because the guy that was living up there would just had just taken off. Yeah. Yeah. I heard about that. Mm-hmm. he'd been just living he'd just been living up there he was like a homeless man that had just been living in her attic and i was like well i'm never gonna sleep again thank yeah. you yeah so thank uh, you for giving me a fear that i did not know i should have <laughs> he died 25 years later while still in prison so there's that Good. at least um and then the final one i want to talk about because it is thundering and I have clothes outside drying, so I hope oh, it doesn't boy. rain. Um, you, leave, you can leave your the the top down on your Mustang convertible. Yeah, exactly. Like old dopey annoying movie. So this does not align perfectly with the movie, but there's enough here that makes me think it might have actually been the inspiration. And this is the case of Tatiana Tarasov and Prozenjit Padar. And I know I said that wrong, and I apologize to everyone I offended with my pronunciation. Well, I accept your apology. Thank you. Um, So in 1968, 18-year-old Tatiana Tarasov befriended a fellow student at the University of California, Berkeley. Um, Oh, no, you shouldn't have friends. Yeah, exactly. Don't do that. Um, Bad news. So this was Prazenjit Potar. 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 I'm going to say Potter, just so you Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Okay. Okay. Um, Who was from India. They met at a folk dancing class on campus and they'd get together to hang out. Um, and like they shared a New Year's Eve kiss and they dated very briefly, but she thought it was just like, uh, we're going on a few dates. And he thought like, uh, 
we're in a very serious committed relationship and so she she did sit him down and say this isn't where that's going i'm so sorry you got that impression like we need to dial things way back i'm so sorry so it's not like she strung him along in any way right Um, so they continued to uh, hang out his academic performance deteriorated and he started to like neglect himself he fell into this really awful depression um Mm -hmm. And he started to spiral through the spring and summer of 1969. Um, okay. So she would reach out to him occasionally, but it wasn't like them hanging out all the time. And he would secretly record all their conversations when they hung out so that, he, so that he could play them back and see what he was saying wrong that wouldn't make her fall in love with him. So it's, it's field research. Like, that's totally cool, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 100%. So he also had been keeping a diary of every interaction that he'd ever had with her since they had met. Ew. Um, he started stalking her and trying to change her mind. He'd call her all the time. He'd show up and stand with her at the bus stop. He um, actually went behind her back and befriended her brother and wound up moving in with her brother like they were roommates just so he could stay close to her. No. Yeah. Mm-mm. I don't like that at all. So she decided that distance would make things better. She went to Brazil for a summer. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he started going to a psychologist. Um, oh, good. Yes. Dr. Moore grew concerned because he started to uh, express desire and intention of killing Tatiana and um, believed that Harry Potter was suffering from... Um, paranoid schizophrenia. So um, the doctor advised him to cut off all communication and stay away from Tatiana mm-hmm. and said that if the death threats continued, he'd have to take further action. And then I'm pretty sure he should have taken further action, like right at the beginning. Yeah. So this was like a lot of laws. The 60s, though. Yeah. A lot of laws went into place because of this case. Yeah. Um, so um, he stopped showing up for treatment because he's healed right like mm-hmm. totally yeah so dr moore was concerned and wrote a letter to campus police to inform them of his findings and to advise them of the death threats and he sent a recommendation that uh, harry potter be civilly committed as a dangerous person um so now doctors have this i don't know what it stands for but pec and you can hold people against their will for psychiatric treatment the 5150 sure it's like a 72-hour hold well yeah. it's that's what it is in like the the police like oh um, yeah, yeah yeah okay call they call it a 5150 yeah, yeah but i know from the doctrine of things because of sarah that it's yeah yeah, a yeah. PEC. Mm-hmm. um so um he was detained shortly but the police interviewed him and was like oh no he's not really a threat so we just let him go like nbd cool. yeah. yeah um like we like the harry potter books like they're not out yet but we think he'll be kind of cool yeah. So, um, then, um, they just advised him like, Hey, maybe don't go near Tatiana. Like you seem chill and we don't want to have to get involved. So like, just don't go near her. Um, sure. You're a nice guy of good intentions, but she wants you to stay away from her. So they did call Dr. Moore's supervisor who said, don't detain him anymore. Like, like, they were like, we're just going to double check real quick. And he was like, you know what? I've not seen this guy, but he seems aight. Yeah. Um, I mean, sure. 
so she returns from Brazil in October and nobody like warned her that there were death threats against her. Um, so, or, you know, or that like there was any threat to her safety. So right. he continued stalking her like the minute she landed in, in American soil. He was like, hey, mm. my favorite game's back. Like, hate it. Season two, let's go. <laughs> so, um, unsubscribe. He, um, showed up to Tatiana's home and shot her with a pellet gun before stabbing her 14 times. Ouch. His second degree murder conviction was later overturned on the ground. I'm sorry, what now? Uh huh. Second degree, even though there was a diary that detailed what he was going to do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it was overturned because, because the judge was like, this is dumb. You deserve first degree murder? No, because the jury no, okay. at his trial was not properly instructed. Like, not properly instructed to give him first degree murder because that's the only failing I see here. Oh, my um, God. He was then re... Oh, he was not retried after it was overturned. Um, he served five years in prison and then was deported back to India. So... Tatiana's family wound up suing Dr. Moore, who I think is actually the least culpable because laws were different at this time and he did the things he was supposed to. Um, Mm -hmm. Dr. Powelson, who was his supervisor, who deserves to be hella sued. For sure. Multiple university employees, including the police department and the board of regents. Um, And because stating that uh, the warnings about the death threats could have potentially saved her life because she wouldn't have been by herself ever if she'd known. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So these events led to actually a Supreme Court case. Oh, wow. um, Tarasov versus the Regents of the University of California, which uh, made the landmark ruling in 1976 that mental health professionals have a duty to forego doctor patient confidentiality and warn individuals who are being threatened by one of their patients. Um, 33 states have since adopted that law. Only 33. Yeah, that should be. There should be more of those. So. Um, that's the one with the recordings and with the like diary of the interaction stuff. That's the one I think that they drew a lot of inspiration yeah, from. Maybe it may be some from the the attic one. Yeah, the first attic one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the first attic one happened in 2017, and this movie was 2006. So. Oh well, then maybe not. Right. I don't know, but I'm gonna go find the opening to my attic and nail it shut. Right. So be doubly sure that nobody will be in my house. Or like just. Does anyone have access to a rabid pack of wolves to just let live in your attic? Yes, that'd be great. Like, how fun would that be? Somebody tried to break into your house. <laughs> I read, I read Harry Potter. I know how uh, fluffy works. Mm-hmm. All right. So, do you have um, a drink to pair this movie with? Well, I drank it, or I drank it. I watched it. <laughs> No, I didn't. I watched it this morning, so I had Diet Coke. Communion wine. It was a Sunday morning. Communion wine. It was Sunday morning, yeah. Um, Maybe like... Maybe like a gin and tonic. Okay. A good gin and tonic. Nice stiff drink so that every time... It was like when he finally like Jack Nicholas's... Jack Nicholas his way through the attic you're you're pretty calm you don't care i'm down with that (laughs) um do you have a case of the week i 
I was going to tell the Generation Y story, and then I didn't. But I also discovered a new podcast this week. Okay. And it's called, and I haven't gotten to the end, but it's called Big Savage. Okay. And it's like eight episodes long, so it's not super long, but it's one story. It's this guy and this girl um, go into the um, Appalachian Mountains. Um, They do some kind of ritual, but one of them ends up dead. Oh. And so then the girl, it was the guy that ended up dead. So she, like, gets lost in the woods and they... She breaks into a house and calls 911 and they find her, but she's naked. There's like weird, there's a hundred weird things like going on with this case. It's totally bonkers. And I think it's, you know, it's right up Lifetime's alley. Yeah, I don't like it. Mm-mm. Um, my case. But is- the podcast is really interesting. Yeah. And the story is like totally bonkers. And what was that podcast again? Um, Sorry. Savage. Hold on. Big Savage. Big Savage, okay. The Death of Alexander Stevens. If we remember, we'll put that in our show notes. Yes. Um, my case this week was, so last night, Sarah and I watched uh, one of the uh, anime movies that we love by Studio Ghibli. Um, yeah. Uh, we watched Kiki's Delivery Service. Mm-hmm. And one of the cast members in there I knew sounded familiar, and I had to look him up to see who he was, and it was Phil Hartman. Do you know who Phil Hartman is? Sounds familiar. He was in, um, he was in the comedy group The Groundlings, and so he was on Saturday Night Live. So, um, he, he was in uh, Pee Wee Herman. Like he, uh, he wrote for Pee Wee Herman, and he was Captain Carl on the okay. Pee Wee. Okay, so um, he actually was a pretty like successful actor, and mm-hmm. on um, May twenty eighth, nineteen ninety eight. He and his wife got in a fight because she had been um, a cocaine addict and she'd been through rehab and she was kind of showing signs that she was using again. And so they had a fight and he argued that he would leave her if she started using again. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, unfortunately, this is an addict's mindset. And I I wish that we knew better how to treat addict like addiction. And I don't know the answer, but so she um, did a whole bunch of Coke and then waited till he was asleep and shot him to death in their house. And then um, drove to her best friend's house where she confessed everything. And he told her that they needed to call the cops. So she went and um, while he was calling the cops, she went and killed herself Wow. And I think Lifetime would really love this story. Yeah. But it's rough. Yeah, that is a rough one. And it's not an inspirational teacher story, so you're welcome. Yay! (laughs) Cool. Well, next week we're doing Richard Ramirez. Yes, we are. Very excited. And then it's August after that, like... It's August. Shit, that means school starts. We go back August 5th. Oof. Yeah. Soon. Man, remember all those things we were going to do this summer and then didn't? I did about three quarters of them, just none of the lifetime sentence stuff, because why would I be responsible? (laughs) So thanks, guys, for hanging out with us. Don't forget to look us up on Instagram at Lifetime Sentence. Mm Mm-hmm. On Twitter at Life Sentence Pop. No. Yeah. 
Yeah, Life Sentence Pod. I don't know. You can find us on our website, lifetimesentence.com. Yay! And donate to our Patreon, patreon.com backslash lifetime sentence. We're wrapping up Big Little Lies this week, and then next week, it's a surprise! Even to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um, honestly, don't be surprised if we take a week off of Patreon while we readjust and reevaluate. We're not planning on taking a week off, but don't be surprised if it happens either. Like, let's be for real. Yeah. Um, it's like 50-50. Yeah. Because those are the only two options. So. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> Either one will happen or it won't. Um, yeah. So, and if you want to, please send us an email at lifetimesentencepodcast at gmail.com. Yes. And um, leave us a rating and a review and a subscription. And anywhere you listen, subscribe to us. It helps boost our numbers. Um, interact yes. with us on social media. Um, we just like to hear from you all. Yeah. Um, otherwise, please. don't forget to eat your vegetables. And charge your phone. Bye. Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.